This is the Cine Snob Podcast. <laughs> What's going on? Oh, dearest me. <laughs> Welcome to episode 208 of the Cine Snob Podcast. If this is working, uh, I'm Jared Kingery. <laughs> I'm Cody Fiafania. I'm having, um, I assume it's my internet issues that are at, that are in play here, but it's having a having a big problem getting uh, getting StreamYard to work okay. StreamYard's a platform we use. If you're listening to us, maybe you can hear us okay. But if you're watching us, it seems like shit's mildly hitting the fan already. So, Yeah, I mean, the intro Let's, played twice. Uh, oh, it did play twice? I only saw it once. So No, it, it played once, and then you sat there in silence, and then it played again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, cool. Awesome. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's what we're dealing with today, because I didn't see it play the first time. So... Uh, wonderful. Um, yeah. So uh, we had a week, uh, week or so off there, right? And we come back, and it's all all cylinders are firing. It's, it's yeah, it's, yeah. Or on or they're on fire. I should say they are on fire. On fire. I guess we didn't get to talk Ugh. about this. You and I were talking about um, if there was any news this week, uh, and I don't think I talked about this, but I went back to the movies. I went back to the theater oh. in a capacity of like not renting out my own i went to like a public screening i've gone to two now and uh what did you see at those two screenings the first one my first return to the movies was wrath of man the guy Ritchie, jason statham oh, yeah. movie um nothing to write home about not very good uh unfortunately um and then uh the other one i saw is one of the movies we're covering today in profile ah. so. My hair is blowing in the wind. Sorry, um, I'm getting distracted by my own hair. Like Beyonce uh, yeah, concert. Got, yeah, hello everyone. <laughs> um, quite a letdown from uh, the gentleman uh, you told me with um, uh, the wrath, wrath of man. Yeah, um, a, a big from letdown. Richie, I should say. Yeah, because the gentleman, I think we both kind of thought was pretty fun and enjoyable. Uh, you you saw yeah. it, right? Yeah, because I, I, I thought that oh, we yeah. both liked it. Um, no, we did. It was um, like a it, it it had the hallmarks of like being something that was not going to be great because mm. it was a it's a Guy Ritchie movie and it's it was his first movie off of a first movie of his own off of the Aladdin remake, which I know you didn't like at all, but I yeah. thought was all right. But it, it's you know it, it felt like that late period Guy Ritchie where you weren't going to get you know you're not getting Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels or Snatch. Well, and it also uh, and came out in was, January. Yeah, that's my, that was my second part. That it was yeah. a January release, and I'm like, "Oh, this is gonna suck." And it was a lot of fun. Um, I don't, uh, I don't remember anything that I didn't really care for in it. I thought uh, Matthew McConaughey is great. I think Charlie Hunnam was probably the the one who felt like he was phoning it in the most. But I think that he was, and I think Hugh Grant, Hugh Grant was the MVP of that movie, who was really great. Oh yeah, for sure. But here's the thing: if you take away, like, if you take everything you like about a Guy Ritchie movie like none of it is in wrath of man like it's not it's not <laughs> funny it doesn't have weird quirky characters um it's not you know overtly kind of over the top it's not even stylistic uh visually it's just kind of a very straightforward revenge movie uh that i didn't really care for but it was nice to be it's, back uh, at the movies it was it was me and three other people so <laughs> i didn't even know this movie was out frankly until you told me mm -hmm. i had no idea there was a new guy Ritchie movie um, is this the first time Jason Statham's worked with Guy Ritchie? No, they've worked together. That. He was in Snatch, first of all. Oh, that's um, right. That's right. That's right. And I think I he always was, forget how long ago that was. 
Yeah, I I, I want to say that Statham has been in like three Guy Ritchie movies prior. Um, I'm trying to look it up to see because because Snatch for sure he was also in. Uh, let's see, this is gonna. I don't want this to take too long here. Um, oh wait, 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 don't don't do it on account of the show's integrity because it's already fucked up. So. Oh, I'm trying to rescue the integrity, really, if anything. Uh, he was in Lockstock and oh, Two okay. Smoking Barrels as well. Oh, well, okay. So may- maybe nothing since Snatch, but I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. That 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 little cul-de-sac went nowhere. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's fine. That up. Um, <laughs> on another note, um, unrelated, but we talk about it enough on this show. Uh, last night was the uh, retirement, I mean, uh, the Hall of Fame ceremony for uh, Mr. Tim Duncan, former yeah. spur um obviously you and i have both spur of all time yeah you and i have both bought merch commemorating it uh we both bought a poster <laughs> today <laughs> yeah and i'm looking forward to getting another one from a, an artist um that i know locally here um yeah uh i you sent me the i didn't watch it live and i don't did you watch it live or did you watch it recorded i watched it live okay because uh you sent me the clip like in the middle of the night and i woke up um, and I, I saw it and I was like, I'll watch this later. And then I was like, I'm just going to watch it now. So I, just, <laughs> I watched the whole like 14 minute clip of his induction, which is seriously. And I think you mentioned this or maybe someone else mentioned it's, it's the longest uninterrupted talking streak mm-hmm. ever by Tim Duncan. Like, I don't know that you've ever heard him talk more in a uh, like consecutively in one about one thing for in ever in his entire <laughs> public career. Yeah, yeah, and and kind of like refreshingly honest too about you know, not like him talk like him talking about the Spurs PR guy and and just and just like straight up saying you shielded me because I hate talking to people and stuff. Um, Dude, the, Tom James, I, I know who he's talking about. I've dealt yeah. with Tom James before. That Tom James, like it's funny because uh, um, that stuff all like runs downhill, uh, mm-hmm. culture wise. So like the the coach pop uh rc buford duncan style of like just fucking leave me alone mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> uh mindset that runs downhill so that that they run interference for everyone like you couldn't i i, I don't know if it's changed now i haven't dealt with them in a, in a while um in any capacity um but you know when it was like the big three there i mean good fucking luck talking to any one of them yeah, because it was like you, the Spurs are just running. They're like, nope, sorry. I mean, maybe na- like you could probably get Matt Bonner. Like if you just, you know, like by some sandwich shop and he was there. You'd be like, hey, Matt. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that's no dig on Matt Bonner. He was he's just super accessible. Uh, but, you know, the the idea that that that, uh, you know, that 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 probably started with Duncan and then like just extended to everyone else. I don't know that a lot of people like that. I wonder if, I wonder if like, you know, Lonnie Walker or, you know, uh, um, you know, even, even somebody like DeRozan would like to be out there more, but I don't know. I feel like, I feel like that happens a little bit less now because I feel like Patty Mills is basically everywhere. Um, and I and maybe they just designated him as like voice of the Spurs now, but you know I feel like he's pretty vocal and and, and post retirement people are pretty vocal and um, and I think through through the years Pop has sort of like lightened up a little bit on you know being interviewed for things or you know you see him in clippings he did a you know he did a damn PSA for the vaccine for the NBA um, recently so you know I don't know. Did I ever 
did I ever? Me- I can't remember if I mentioned this on the show or not. One of my favorite things about the uh, the old like mid two thousands to early twenty ten Spurs culture was, you know, obviously the big you know Tim Tony Manu, and then Pop. The idea that uh, Pop never took like a real photo. Um, so there was, I don't know. It's called something else now. Credit Human, but it was mm-hmm. SACU, the bank yep. there would sell like a Spurs calendar every year that I'd always get. And like the, the sum it was, it's always started with the season. So it'd be like October through, um, you know, through August of or September of next year. So the summer is always filled with like the rookies and the, the guys that are never going to make it or the guys that are on the team and get cut. So you're like, Oh, here's uh so-and-so he now plays for, he got signed by the Pacers now. And then now he's playing in Greece, but then like, you know, the big month, you know, it'd be like, you know, the big months you're going to actually use, it's him, Tony Manu. And then there was always a picture of Pop, but it was always like a, like it was super crook. It was a group photo that he was in to like humor someone. And it's yeah. like, you know, red eyes and shit. <laughs> it was never, it was never <laughs> posed. It was ne- like, you know, Tony Parker at the time, like posing with his then girlfriend and like it's a studio photo. And yeah, my grandparents uh, have this calendar all- every year. So I know what you're talking about. I, yeah. Uh, it's always like Pop's last known photograph. Like he'd just gone missing. <laughs> <laughs> like, like he wandered away from home. We need to find him. Um, yeah, but the, again, the, the retirement ceremony, I mean, the Hall of Fame ceremony. Um, God, it's I, I, it's so weird because, like, there's so many of those people that I, like, I know those names. And I, I know some of those people. And I have known them for such a long time that it's weird. It's weird to see that on such a big scale and, like, coming to an end. You know what I mean? Yeah. It makes me feel, again, it makes me feel old. You know, but like he mentions, um, you know, like I said, Tom James, I, I've dealt with before. Um, uh, Paul Sines, his, one of his doctors he recommends. I, I went to Paul Sines for, a, I had a leg problem and he had this, all these like spurs, all this memorabilia up on the wall. I was like, oh, I can't afford this. Uh, and then um, R.C. Buford, my favorite R.C. Buford story. I don't know if you've ever, if you've ever personally met R.C. Buford. He mm-hmm. is just as dull as he comes across. <laughs> uh, but this is when I was working at WAI downtown, and uh, it was a Sunday after Sunday evening or whatever. He was there for a sports Sunday interview. Um, but like, we we didn't have a you know we didn't have a receptionist or whatever. So, uh, in master control, I had to answer the door if someone came to the door. So you're, someone rang the doorbell, and I have to talk to me. I'm like, yeah, can I help you? I'm like, hi, it's R.C. Buford. And I was like, oh, uh, cool. So I had to go up and let him in. He's just standing there, like, with a big giant Valero Coke. Like, <laughs> he just stopped at the gas station down the street and, like, come on in. Like, this, you know, the, those arc, one of the architects of one of the, the, the most successful basketball dynasties in the, you know, the last 30 years. And he just fucking has a Valero, a <laughs> shitty Valero Coke, and he's standing outside of this building. It's such a weird, it's, it's such a weird culture. Um, because it feels so connected to it because they're everyone's so down to earth that it's hard to believe that this is like upper echelon NBA stuff. Yeah. It, 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 it is strange. I, I got to tell you too, a slightly off topic too. I, I messaged you this the other day, but just me feeling old watching this stuff. Like, again, this is some of the first stuff that's ever made me feel old. And like the reason I, the, I was thinking about this the other day, the reason I know that I'm, I'm getting older is that, like 
seeing Tim, Tony, and Manu just like hanging out, being friends post retirement, like makes me emotional. <laughs> like just just seeing that shit. Like I remember one time earlier this year, the three of them were just watching a game in the suite, and I was like, God damn, are we really at this point where like the three of them are not only not playing anymore, but just like hanging out, watching a game together? Like, well, and you know, that's the weird part about sports is that it's so, um, you know, the the age limit is so young you know for retirement just because everybody's bodies breaks down a breakdown you know you can't play at that elite level so you know tim retiring it shit what is he like uh he was 39 i think when he retired yeah i mean he's like two years older than me um you know his girlfriend which vanessa i mean i went to college with vanessa i know vanessa <laughs> so, so it's such a weird fucking thing <laughs> <Yeah>. to know <laughs> this <laughs> Like, like I know I had your phone number once, like because we worked on a stupid project about popcorn for for a radio <laughs> class. Anyway, it's all it's all fucking weird because it it all comes like mushing together, and it doesn't it doesn't ever seem like time passes. It just seems like these are people you know. Um, I don't. I, I mean, maybe that's unique to to San Antonio being such a the town. On some level, at some level, it has to be. Yeah, but yeah, you like you said, watching these guys, like you see. Like Tim looks old as shit uh, with the gray hair, uh, you know, and you know, I, you know, whatever, man. I don't care. But like, you're like, God damn, this guy. Like, I mean, and he could still. I mean, uh, clearly, he could still just fucking throw down. Like, he could kick everyone's ass except like on an NBA team. You know, he just doesn't want to anymore. I guess. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's not like he's su- it, You know. I don't know. I don't know what, what I'm trying to get across here, but it's weird that you consider like a 45 year old dude old, but he just is, he's still like an elite athlete. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah. I mean, he like, just, he's just not as like, he can't compete with a, you know, a 19 year old dude in the NBA now. And it is funny too. Cause like, if you follow Manu on Instagram, him and Tim go like biking together. Yep. And they're just like both super lean and muscular and stuff. <laughs> I know. Like, it's just crazy. It's like, they still they don't look any different except for gray hair and a bald head for Manu than when they yeah. played a decade ago. So yeah, yeah. no, I, I know, and like like I said, like they if you if if they still wanted to, they could light someone up. You know, they could go play. They if they ever wanted to, is that big three thing still around? Oh, uh, the the, the um, I think so. well, I don't like, know because I I think there was some corruption within the league, but I oh, think it might be. Can you around. imagine that? <laughs> Wasn't Roger Macer, uh I mean, uh, Roger Mason, shit, Roger Jr. Mercer, Roger Mason, Jr. why did I say Mercer? Yeah, right. Wasn't he the commissioner, the most he recent was, commissioner? And under his watch, there was some corruption within the league, which makes me laugh I, because but I, I got into a, I got into some Twitter beef with Roger Mason Jr. once. Oh, cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like fake basketball and like, like, uh, even like, uh, Allen Iverson, like would still fucking blow it off. Like, yeah, <laughs> just didn't give a shit. Uh, yeah, but yeah, if they wanted to, they could probably go play and dominate in that, but who the fuck cares anymore, yeah. you know? Just like anyway. this segment. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, we were talking about this, uh, before, uh, next year is Manu's elig- first year of eligibility for the yeah. Hall of Fame. Um, I say he's got to be first ballot. I, I hope so. It's too, it's too hard to ignore, um, you know, already they announced Ben Wallace and uh, uh, Paul Pierce to not their first ballot. 
Uh, wait, is it Pierce's first ballot? I believe ballot? it's Pierce's first ballot. Um, yeah, so they announced the class this year because I, I think he's eligible. I mean, he might be eligible the following year, but like it's it's Chris Weber, uh, uh, Chris Bosch, uh, Paul Pierce, Ben Wallace. So, you know, not yeah, as not it, as it, exciting it, as Garnett, Duncan, and Kobe, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, if, if it's Bosch and, and Pierce uh, that you were going by first year eligibility, it's got to be. I mean, Manu's got to be in there. He's got to be. One I, the one I'm... I worry about Tony not being a first ballot. Well, I feel like he's always the also ran. Yeah, he and well, but he's got a Finals MVP under his belt. He's got multiple rings and he's got international play. So I think that that and and he he was a successful international player. And it's a it's a basketball Hall of Fame, not just NBA. So that's why right, you know, yeah. Manu's a shoe in for sure because he's got you know gold medal and all that. Yeah, he's got the gold, uh, gold and world championships and everything. God, I remember that. Was it the two thousand um, four Olympics? I believe so. Where? Uh, oh man, because yeah. that was right before peak Manu in 05. Because he had that stretch of winning well, yeah, the gold the, medal and then, uh, uh, yeah. almost winning Finals MVP. Probably should have won Finals MVP if we're being honest in two thousand five. Yeah, maybe I don't know. Anyway, that's uh, that's our Spurs segment for today. for our movie podcast. For a movie podcast, um, yeah, I, I, uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm anticipating that poster arriving. There's that poster that we ordered is very cool. There's also some really dog ugly <laughs> merchandise from the Spurs yeah. when it comes to why is why is NBA merch either fucking awesome or just stupid as shit. Like they can nail it with stuff like the Fiesta collection, mm-hmm. but then there's like here's a coin on a plaque that has <laughs> Tim- like what is this shit? This <laughs> yeah, is garbage, it's worthless merch. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, you can find that at SpursFanshop.com. Use promo code Cinesnob for nothing. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, anything else before we move on? Nah, if let's get works, into it. Let's hope this this open works. All right, let's go ahead and move on to reviews. Here are this week's reviews. I guess that played, right? Did it play it all did, the way through? It did play, yep. Okay, cool. Uh, first up this week, we have Spiral from the Book of Saw. What is that? Play me. <laughs> okay. Whoa, what are you doing? Don't want to f up my computer. Hello, Detective Banks. I'm here to help reform the Metro Police, to remind them of their oath to the people of this city. One officer from your station refused to be reformed. He will not be the last to play my game. That spiral is what I think it is. Jigsaw? Wait, I thought the Jigsaw killer was dead. Yeah, but if it's another copycat... It's gonna be a shit show. This is a sequel of sorts to uh, the Saw series. I believe this is number nine, if we're counting. Um, Now, I, I believe I only ever saw the first three Saw movies. I didn't see anything after that. They felt a little repetitive and, like, I don't know that I'm missing anything. But this is, uh, I guess, build is sort of a reimagining, not a reimagining, but like a, a like a more uh, 
prestige on it, so to speak. You've got actual big name actors like Chris Rock and Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, Cody, tell us about Spiral and what you thought of it. Yeah, so the Saw franchise was interesting because it had like a solid, like almost decade long run of you know new movie every um, you know every Halloween or, or October, and it was one of those movies where you know you had this and you had Paranormal Activity and you had Blair Witch and stuff like that, like movies that were made on shoestring budgets that ended up being massive hits and in um in spawning franchises to some degree um you know less so with Blair Witch and more so with the other two but um so it's like that it, it sort of was one of the players in the early stages of you know jump starting and kick starting horror franchises um you know mm-hmm. uh, from 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 minimal budgets and making them for cheap every year um and you know i was a, you know this first saw came out i think in 2006 if i'm not mistaken um so, you know, I was a teenager at the time, and um, and I really liked Saw, uh, the first one, and I liked, uh, you know, there was a lot of interesting stuff to, like, that self-contained, super cool twist at the time. I'm not sure. I haven't watched it in years, so I don't know how it holds up. And I actually liked Saw 2 quite a bit um, when I was a teenager. Um, and then from there, I've seen them sporadically. I know I've seen at least two more. I don't, I couldn't tell you which ones they are, but I would check in every so often. And it all just became like this really big connected universe um, that was, had this through line of, you know, the Jigsaw killer, you know, died, I think, in Saw 2 th- or 3, but yet continuously popped up throughout the series. And then, you know, there were the repeated stories of copycats. And that's essentially what you're getting here. You're getting a copycat killer who's now targeting cops specifically. Um, and um, and it kind of gets into corrupt this... Corrupt compl- cops. C- corrupt cops, yes. Um, but, I mean, uh, aren't they all? Uh, uh, hey. Uh, uh, so, anyway. Huh? <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, and, and honestly, that I, I will actually bring that up in a second because uh, it's somewhat integral to the conversation here. Um, but uh, But anyway, Chris Rock is sort of a... Uh, he's a cop who sort of like rooted out a bad, dirty cop, and then somehow the rest of the cops hate him for that. It's it's a very strange. <laughs> it's a very strange that that piece of the story never makes sense to me. Like why all the cops hate him for rooting out a corrupt cop, um, well, and like comically corrupt. Like yeah, like not just like like he just like straight shoots a, a witness dead and then yeah. serves time for it. So like. The, a grand jury got involved and then you know it was went to trial so it wasn't just like yeah you know the cop just didn't get fired and lose his pension like he fucking went to jail yeah yeah and so and so basically he's kind of um uh not liked within the department and he ha- his father used to be uh the chief there and uh so there, he's also got those expectations his father played by Samuel Jackson and then he has a rookie partner <laughs> uh played by uh Max Minghala um who um uh, is, is that how is, you say it? I, th- I think so, isn't it? Isn't that how it's spelled? I always, I always thought it was Ming. I always thought it was Mangella. Oh, He's Anthony Mangella's son. Is it? But is it an A or an E? I thought it was an. Is it A, but maybe it's an E. Maybe it's Mangella. I don't know. Um, anyway, whatever. Anyway, Max. He's br- um, he's. He- Max, yeah, he's a rookie cop at 35. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and, uh, and and basically he takes him on as a partner and they try to solve this series of crimes that is sort of mimicking Jigsaw. So if you are a enthusiast of the Saw franchise and the mythology of it, you're not really going to get anything here 
you don't find anything more about John Kramer, uh, Jigsaw, um, or Billy the Puppet, or anything else. Um, he's referenced in name. There's a picture of him seen on a wall. Um, but outside of that, you don't really get anything. So there's none of the, the Saw mythology. And, you know, I've been seeing people, like, doing Saw rewatch marathons. Not necessary. Truly. You don't need to do that. Um, I, I gotta say, I was... I was actually pretty into the first 45 minutes or so of the movie. Um, you know, it starts off with with Chris Rock kind of being Chris Rock, and I think that's the best possible thing the movie can be at that point. You know, Chris Rock being involved in something, like, that's what you want to see. And so he's, like, you know, ba- essentially doing, like, like rough cut stand-up for, for a big part of it. Like, the whole thing starts, like, the first time you see him, he's going on, like, this extended bit about Forrest Gump that I thought was really funny. Um, and then he's just kind of cracking wise for a little while until, like, the shit hits the fan and they start seeing these people, um, you know, found. And I think the biggest problem that the movie has is that it wants to tell a story about police corruption and police accountability, but it doesn't have the wherewithal. Like, it just doesn't It doesn't know how to do that. And because it doesn't know how to do that, it abandons it. Because I think it kind of starts setting up the idea of police accountability, um, but there's no payoff. And then at some point within the middle of the movie, it just becomes a Saw movie, which is to say, you know, you have your really stylistic, I, I mentioned to you, it feels like a music video you know, camera editing of these traps that are gross and gruesome. Oh, the avid farts. We, I mentioned the avid farts. You're familiar with the term, right? I'm not actually, but (laughs) yeah, it was coined by um, one of the, um, old writers for, uh, ain't it cool news. Oh, that like we, who has denounced everything by the way, don't hold that against him. But, um, Oh, I think I might know uh, what you're talking about then. It's, uh, it's not. It's not someone we know. If you're asking, no, no, no. Um, okay, yeah. Anyway, um, so it, the the idea that there's those like little jerky like quick movements and cuts in there that mm-hmm. were only really popularized with nonlinear editing software, and this mm-hmm. guy called them avid farts, meaning yeah. like it just sort of like. <laughs> anyway, yeah, and 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 it's and so it it just becomes this sort of like it sort of limps to the finish line where you, where you understand in saw fashion, there's going to be some kind of twist ending that you don't expect. Um, and, uh, and it kind of ends in a very unclear, strange way as well. It's really unsatisfying. Um, and, uh, I wish that it, I wish that it wasn't, and I wish it didn't give up. I mean, look at this point, you either need to make a gruesome, you know, torture chamber saw movie, or you need to make a smart sort of, uh, police commentary and make it one or the other but but half-assing your police commentary and then just patching on a, a, a subpar Saw movie is not really a recipe for success and so you know I, I think it had greater ambitions but it just did not know how to execute it whatsoever I, I do I but I do think that Chris Rock is is really good in it and I think it's a I think it's a good performance and he keeps it afloat for as long as he possibly can um, until the whole thing just kind of, like I said, loses every bit of steam. See, okay, I uh, I I agree with you that the first, I'm going to say the first 20 minutes or so are really buoyed by Chris Rock. And I think the first segment 
it's like uh, he's undercover and it's some sort of heist and he's that's where he's cracking all the jokes and everything. Um, and then after that, he becomes a serious bore. Like he doesn't do anything that warrants the hiring of Chris Rock. And it's it's not that he's just hired. Like he he's a uh, he's I, a producer. He co-wrote it. Yeah, but he I, came I think up he wrote the, story, the treatment. So it, yeah. So I don't know what the fuck. I mean, I don't know why he's here. I mean, it's like that first 20 minutes is if that was the tone of the movie, like and you you marry this Saw movie uh, with a police corruption tale and you've got someone who is, I don't want to say like commenting on it. Cracking wise. Like, yeah, I mean, you know, we got the we get the meta takes all. I mean, Scream started all that stuff, but, you know, the the. Other, it just becomes like this dour thing, and he's just serious the whole time through, and it doesn't make any sense. Like, it, why? Why is he here? Why is fucking Samuel L. Jackson, here, who's fifteen years older than Chris Rock, playing his father? But whatever. Yeah. Um, everybody's way too old to be playing who they are, uh, except for Samuel L. Jackson. Um, you know, he gets he comes on and does like two minutes of the Samuel L. Jackson thing, and then he's gone for most of the movie until a, a climax that again doesn't really make any sense i mean him and chris uh, rock share like two scenes together i like, know that's it. that that's <laughs> that should be the draw you should have chris rock and samuel L. jackson making this movie like i don't get it like the the max Mangella character is you know whatever uh the marisol nichols character is again whatever like it, it, there's just look you can telegraph this thing super easily given like half a brain cell to figure out like to figure out something's going to be a twist you know there's going to be something that's twisty uh someone's going to be involved that you didn't expect or probably did expect if we're being honest well i Um, think i think they i think it suffers from trying to set the red herring like way too strongly like there there's a character that it so heavily hints at that you're like it's (laughs) it's definitely not going to be that person you know what i mean Right, and, and and I found it kind of confusing. Like all of these people, all these victims, seemed like about the same. Like I, I couldn't tell you the difference between any of them. And then the the traps are like, look, it's a shitty. Uh, I call this, and I, I've seen this take also. It's a shitty version of Seven. Mm-hmm. Like the, it has something to say about you know corruption in police but it really does a i mean it does a a total disservice to anything any sort of message um that you know that that it tries to have like it doesn't none of it is any good none of the messaging is good none of the 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 kind of you know the idea that chris rock is this you know valiant force in this police department um, like I said, the, the, the guy that, that sort of sets off this corruption years ago <laughs> in some really poorly staged scenes, by the way, this looks like crap half the time. Yeah. I don't know if this is, if you notice this, but there's some terrible blocking the scene where like, where Chris Rock and, and this corrupt cop character that it's a flashback, they both have like corny mustaches and it, it's like an SNL sketch that doesn't like it, it it's just the way it's staged it, it's just it's just bad this is a bad movie and i don't think chris rock has anything good to do in this movie outside of the first 20 minutes i don't know why he chose to be in this movie why he, he had this story to tell apparently but it's the execution is so bad 
Well, that's why I wonder. That's why I wonder if maybe there was something deeper on the police side of things that maybe he pitched and maybe it got sanitized as it worked its way through. I don't know because you can see like the footprints of it. Like you can see they're trying to set something up as a commentary on police accountability and it just, it just, it just fizzles. It dissolves. And I wonder, but by way of grisly murders, right. That based on like, it just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. I will say, like it doesn't. I I think there there is a couple of gruesome traps that I think are pretty effective. Um, there's one involving that, fingers that I think is pretty fucking gross. Uh, but yeah, but also I mean, it's, that, it's, it's, always... it's 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 funny because the these traps seem like another level of unwinnable than the other. <laughs> like like in, in 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 these movies, like at least some of the people like actually survive or escape. In these ones, there's like no chance for anyone to survive. Like almost purposely. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's the the whole reason you go to one of these movies is because of that. You go, you mm-hmm. know, these elaborate goofball traps. I, you know, and I don't know that, I don't know that it ages as well. I don't know that it's as interesting and fun in twenty twenty one as it would have been in two thousand six. You know what's you know, funny kind of is lo- is is that is that the director is pissed off at people using the term torture porn, saying it's so two thousand eight. But that's fucking what it is. Like, sorry, bro, but yeah, what do you uh, want? <laughs> that's what it yeah, like, that's what it is you you created or you helped create that genre yeah and you know it i mean it just it, it doesn't i i don't know what the point of this movie was i do, if you wanted to take the saw formula and add this element of you know real sort of life account like paste this this somewhat real realistic story on it you know about police corruption and things like that then sure but this does not even come close to accomplishing anything that that makes makes that makes that meaningful at all it's just a bad movie it's just another bad movie anyway what's your grade for spiral so i'm gonna give it a c i think that it's it's bad i think that it actually has a pretty decent first again i think it i think it stays good a little bit longer than you do I, I would say about forty five minutes to an hour I'm kind of I was kinda of into. Um and then it just again falls off of a cliff and turns into just a bad saw movie. And and it gets it gets really bad really quick and um and it never recovers. So I give it a C. I've seen worse. Um I I've seen worse Saw movies. It's not the worst of the franchise, but it's not good. Yeah, I think a C is probably what I'm gonna give it to. I, I it's just the there's there's clearly some element that 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 Chris Rock wanted to convey that did not translate to the director. I don't know why you know I can't remember the director's name but he directed like Saws 2 through 4, 2 through 6. I think, six, he, did, I think like he just that. did 2 2 and 3 if I'm not mistaken. Cuz it was was it James Wan who did the first one? Yes. Right? Yep. You know, who went on to have a, a huge career obviously. Um this guy who directed this one, I don't know. I don't know who he is. So, uh, yeah, but this is available. Uh, this is in theaters now. We watched it at home, but yeah. Hey, if you're dying yeah. to go to the theaters, and if you're a Saw fan, I mean, look, if you're a Saw fan, you're probably gonna like it. I mean, I don't think you're gonna hate it if you're a Saw fan, but you know, if you're looking for something, if you're not convinced, it's not gonna convince you. Oh yeah, no, don't don't go in thinking this is like some like major reinvention of the Saw franchise because it is absolutely not 
it just has people you recognize that are more famous than Carrie Elways and Danny Glover. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, let's move on to our next movie, Those Who Wish Me Dead. Why'd they put you in a fire tower? Well, I'm just lucky, I guess. I read the wind wrong. I should have gone to them. Then you've been dead, too. That's our job. I'm not gonna hurt you. I wanna see where the blood's coming from. It's not my blood. You in trouble? Anyone else in trouble? My dad said if anything happened, I should find someone I can trust. Are you someone I can trust? We promise absolutes. Act accordingly. Oh, sorry, that cut off weird. Anyway, this is um, a uh, fil- a new film from uh, director Tyler Sheridan, uh, who you may know as the uh, creator of Yellowstone, also directed uh, um, Hell or High Water, and uh, wrote Sicario. Yeah, he, he, kind he of wrote, a- wrote Hell or High Water. He didn't direct it. Oh, he didn't direct it. Who directed that? David McKenzie. Are you sure? Oh, Positive. My bad. Sorry. Is this his first directorial? Is this his first directing job? I swore he directed before, but... Uh, it is, it is uh, not his directorial debut. That was Wind River. Was the first movie he directed? Oh, okay. My bad. Sorry. Well, excuse the fuck out of me, Cody. Um, anyway, this is kind of known for, like, the neo-Western style of, um, you know, these, these crime action films. Anyway... This is uh, this stars Angelina Jolie. Uh, also, you see John Barenthal in there uh, as Angelina Jolie is a parachuting firefighter for some reason. Uh, she this- is a smoke jumper who we all know what that is. None of us had to look that up, and none of us needed explained. <laughs> right? This movie is a fucking puzzle. But uh, yeah, <laughs> Cody, tell us about uh, what is it called? Those who wish me dead. Yeah, what you thought. Honestly, to be totally honest with you, it's shocking to me that a movie this simplistic is this confusing <laughs> because like on paper, <laughs> on paper this is the most basic plot you can get, but yet it is so goddamn complicated uh every step of the way. Um so as as you said, um you know, Angelina Jolie plays a smoke jumper, which again, not really explain what that is or the the idea that she's uh a firefighter or whatever uh, with wildfires and forest fires, not really gone into much depth or detail. Um, Which by the way, I think that Angelina Jolie is woefully miscast in this movie. Um, Like, nope. It's like, it's like she was busy and they just shot around something. I don't know what's happening. Why she's part of this movie and she's hardly the, the lead. Well, it's not only that, but also, She's not for one minute believable as just one of the guys, how they kind of portray her in, in like the first <laughs> 10 minutes. Like, I'm not buying that at all. Um, but if we're trying to 
you know, po- cobbled together a synopsis here. You know, it basically she plays this this firefighter who um, was not able to save some children out of a fire because she read the wind incorrectly, and so she's experiencing some trauma um, as a result of not being able to save these kids. And then you have a separate plot um, where, uh, and this is where it gets really confusing. Some <laughs> kind of th- something happened, and now these two like contract killers, played by Aiden Gillen and Nicholas Holt are trying to like uh kill some people who uh, who uncovered something and know about some kind of corruption i guess <laughs> and uh and so and Ty- Ty- tyler perry is their boss you basically saw his entire appearance in that clip <laughs> you're like oh shit tyler perry's involved like well no he was on a break and they decided to shoot a shoot a scene with him if, if you told me that tyler perry shot his scene in like 18 minutes i would be like yeah that's about that seems right uh <laughs> Like it, like it reeks of like, like, he, like he was, he was literally at the same airport. They're like, Hey, <laughs> can you shoot if, can you shoot this bit? Like, sure. It, it's either that, or he had a significant role that was severely cut down. Um, it reeks of that because he's literally in the scene for, he's in the movie for a, a total screen time of maybe like a minute and a half. If that, oh, that's yeah. being I mean, generous. He, it's he's there and, and does nothing and hints at something bigger, mm-hmm. but nothing pays off. Yeah. So so anyway, uh, the the two killers are basically um, uh, heading out for a guy who plays like an accountant of some kind, and he has a son uh, with him, and uh, he tries to flee um, and ends up getting murdered. And the son runs into Angelina Jolie, and they're trying to escape the two killers. And then John Bernthal's in the movie doing something that feels <laughs> totally unrelated to everything else. It it just it it this movie is stunningly incompetent and it's it, it's actually surprising and, and and a letdown because it has it has like three different moving parts that feels like three separate movies happening and going on like it feels like there's one movie with aiden gillen and nicholas holt there's one movie with john bernthal and his wife and one movie with angelina jolie and the kid because they're all fucking protagonists like there's no b characters it's like they're trying to shove six a characters into a movie um and uh and it just doesn't work on any level um you know the the whole thing falls really flat it doesn't coalesce um it doesn't make sense which i think is the worst part about it the story is just nonsense and like like when we when we're, like we're joking about not understanding um like what Aiden Gillen and Nicholas Holt are like trying to cover up or what the crime was or what the, like yeah. but it's never explained like it's just not it's there's no detail to it so the stakes and there's a, there's a there, yeah there's a USB drive that you got to get to the press like you got to get to the media but yeah, yeah there's no there's no indication of what that is and why this guy n- uh the kid's father had it you know what it's yeah it just doesn't make any nothing yeah (laughs) so we have a we have a quick twitch question here someone came in late and wondering what we're talking about uh we're talking about those who wish me dead it's a new hbo max movie um also in theaters um starring angelina jolie so uh so yeah so the the i the you know the story becomes convoluted and ultimately it's supposed to be about this relationship that Angelina Jolie and this kid have. It's supposed to be some level of them both working through their trauma together. Um, and uh, and it just it just doesn't execute any of it well. And again, 
like like John Bernthal's character and Angelina Jolie's character have like a really convoluted, confusing past together that's hinted at, but again, not explored. Um, other than well, they a were they they were a couple, right? That's that yes, but it's but that's in like one scene as a line of like throwaway dialogue. Like it's just it's nothing. It's nonsense. And um, you know, I think if there's anything that come that cuts through that is effective about it, it's maybe just like the the brashness in the in the um in like how cold and cold blooded like the killers are with Nicholas Holden, Aiden Gillen, even though their performances are nothing to write home about. It's at least written in in the sense of like you know, I, I saw some, you know, the Wikipedia page refers to it as like a neo-Western. And um, that's the only part about it that actually feels Western-ish is that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, they're they're brutal and they don't, yeah, there's no kind of remorse. and Yeah, yeah but the relationship between her and the kid, I just never, I never really buy into. And, I, and it just, again, it's like, it, it's like trying to mush together like three separate storylines and try to put together a complete piece. And none of it has any context. None of it has any explanation. The movie is a, a like a, a shocking mess, I think. So, yeah, the, my biggest issue with it is the idea that, you know, Angelina Jolie is supposed to be the star, supposed to be the protagonist, but her storyline with the kid feels the most remote. Like it feels the most separated from everyone else. Um, cause you, the idea is that this kid has, uh, you know, she's stationed in this, uh, like watchtower for fires. Cause apparently the only way you can ever find a fire <laughs> in a movie is visually looking at it. <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, there's a scene late in the movie where they stumble across a forest fire. <laughs> there's night. like weaponized lightning and shit. Like it's, it's so oh, there, yeah, that's the one I was like, it's like fucking Zeus is fighting them. <laughs> like there's like taking a look. The, the problem is there's like you said there's too many protagonists there's there's angelina jolie who's working to protect this kid then there's john barenthal who's the law enforcement officer who's who gets runs afoul of these guys and then there's his wife yeah a certified badass also you know well again of, and, 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 and jared she, it, it it's sort of it's sort of again lightly hints that they run like a survival camp but they never talk about it oh yeah 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 so one of those two, one either Angelina Jolie or the wife, needs to go, like because mm-hmm. they they like we can combine we can merge these these two plot lines that way. I know this is based on a book, but whatever. You can you need to have all these characters together because otherwise you've got you, you've got this character. I don't think uh, Angelina Jolie ever meets and forgive me for not knowing the actress's name, but never meets the wife character. Like she knows her, they know each other. I believe that's I believe I, that's accurate. Yeah, they. But like the wife is, she flamethrowers fucking Aiden Gill in the face. By the way, for like a good fifteen seconds, and he's mildly burned. Yeah, like she's a she's she's way more badass than Angelina Jolie's character. Period. And uh, they never they never cry. It's like a. You know, it's like a, a TV show in that way, in that it's like here's you're checking in on these characters, but they never the convergence never really happens, and then, like like you mentioned, none of this pays off. Like none of this mystery as to what the fuck this, you know, these hired assassins were going after them for ever is revealed. Um, Angelina Jolie, Angelina Jolie's like tortured past is just sort of a, eh. and like. 
you know, it does a little bit of supposedly world building with her, like being this rowdy sort of reckless drunk at the beginning, parachuting out of a truck that's driving, and John Barenthal trying to keep her from you know killing herself essentially, yeah, just abandoned. But then it just, yeah, none of that goes anywhere, and it's just so. It's again, it, you're right. There's not much happening in this movie, but it's so fucking confusing. Yeah, it's like well, what is happening. You made a good point, and not to steal your point that you made to me the other the, the other day, but it feels like a bad '90s film. Like it, it just it straight yeah. up feels like a throwback to the '90s when they just made cheap, cheesy ass action movies, um, and and that's what it reeks of. And it's disappointing that it's a, that Taylor Sheridan. I mean, like you know, Taylor Sheridan has you know some great pedigree behind him. You know, he's an Oscar nominated screenwriter you know he was nominated for uh hell or high water um but he also wrote like you know without remorse a couple weeks ago which was you know kind of similar in in that it's like a shitty kind of 90s take on an action movie so you know i i think that that um it's one thing to have a movie where a story is ineffective it's another to have the story just flat out not make sense and that's the biggest sin that it commits is that like it's we're not we're not dumb people. <laughs> this thing just does not make sense. And it's, and it's weird. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and like, to your point, it feels like with the Tyler Perry thing, like something was cut out of this. I have to believe for sure. Like, there's yeah. this wasn't, this wasn't the final product. Like this, you don't get Tyler Perry to show up for, cause you don't get him to show up for, for two minutes to, to kind of spout some expository dialogue about the, you know, the, complete thoroughness or whatever he said and then just not bring it up again <laughs> like yeah. it doesn't none of the motive for these these villains is not clear there's absolutely no point to what they're doing because we're not let in on it and then it just sort of goes away and has no bearing on anything like if this is some sort of massive government conspiracy what tyler perry's character hints at then well this problem isn't over yet yeah you know, this is like they survived a night in the woods with a fire that apparently no one knew about until the next morning. Um, and it also feels like a- it, it also feels like it's trying to tell some sort of like, like I, I messaged to you uh, that, that I halfway expected with the final shots for, for it to say like dedicated to the hard workers of the fire. Like it's clearly trying to tell a story about smoke jumpers in this community of people who watch fo- forest fires and stuff, but doesn't do any of that either. Like, it's it's just it's just ineffective at every level. There's no reason she is a smoke jumper. There's no reason. The fire doesn't even really come into play until the climax. And it's really about being a it, survivalist more than it is a firefighter. Yeah, at like that there's point. no there's no reason that she's a firefighter. There's no narrative reason for her being a firefighter. Yeah. There's nothing at all. Nothing at all has anything to do with her being a firefighter. I don't get it. I don't know what the fuck this movie's a. Why? What? What is happening? Yeah. Anyway, what's your grade for uh, those who wish me dead? Can't believe I'm saying this. It's worse than Spiral. Uh, I'm giving it a C minus. I. It is worse than Spiral. I'm going to give it a D plus because it is just flat out fucking dumb. Um, And it's it's a waste of a great cast. You know, I I don't think that. You know, I, I mean, it's again. The, the, I don't know the last movie I saw with Angelina Jolie. I don't. It was. It's been oh, a long man. time. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, she is completely wasted in this movie. Uh, John Barenthal, who I, I I also like 
quite a bit is completely wasted in this movie. Aiden Gillen basically plays the, the role he's born to play forever. Um, and Nicholas Holt is, is good, but it's just, everyone is so, <laughs> everyone's story is so fucking pointless. Um, anyway, but it is available on HBO Max if you want to watch it now, if you want to go to a theater and see it. So, uh, anyway, let's move on to our last movie, Profile. I've been investigating a story about young women being recruited by extremists over social media. This is brilliant. How'd you make contact? I created a fake profile, posing as a young convert to lure one of the recruiters to me. I'm going to share my screen. It's kind of hot. Do you think? <laughs> the IT guys can record your desktop. Mamie, tattoos are prohibited. Can you see the tattoo? No. Ready to go. He's calling. And I'm going to record it, are you? Assalamu alaikum, my sister. Tell me about you. You're beautiful. In the beginning, he would be testing the waters. He's a hunter. He wants to seduce me first. I love you! Only then will he give me a guide into the recruitment process. Come here. I'll give you everything you need. A whole new life. A very happy one. You have to believe me. It's paradise. You're brave to admire in a man. Can I ask you what your job is? I don't want to talk about over the internet. This journalist everywhere. Journalists. And they've got no morals. They're vultures, you know. Exactly. You're full of surprises, aren't you? So this is a film, um, one of those, I don't know what you'd call the genre, but... Uh, it's, uh, it's, called s- it's called Screen Life is the name of the genre. Screen Is that what it is? It's called Screen mm-hmm. Life? Wow. Yeah. Um, this is uh, actually three years old at this mm-hmm. point, um, but it's uh, based on a true story that I have no idea about. Uh, essentially, this uh, journalist poses as a uh, young Muslim woman to um, infiltrate this... Uh, this group that uh, lures uh, seemingly um, average, uh, I guess, British teens and young women uh, to convert to Islam and uh, join ISIS, so to speak. Um, that is ISIS, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Islamic State in Syria. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go to Syria and join ISIS. Um, Cody, tell us about Profile and what you thought of it. You went yeah. to the movies to see this. You went to the movies to watch something on a screen. What a flipperoo. I know it's crazy, right? Uh, so, uh, directed by Timur Bekmambetov, uh, who I guess is probably best known for directing *Wanted*, the uh, uh, Angelina Jolie Angelina movie. Jolie. Um, and uh, and so, in recent years, he has sort of been the guy leading this screen life genre. Um, you know, he so he was a producer on *Unfriended*. Um, he was a producer on Searching, which is probably the most well-known of these movies. Um, uh, and, and, you know, you've seen it uh, with, you know, uh, uh, the, uh, God, the, the Zoom movie, the horror movie. He wasn't involved uh, in that one, but Host, host? Uh, from last year is an example. So it all takes place on a computer screen. Um, and you mentioned that it uh, is a three-year-old movie because I saw it three years ago. Uh, I saw this movie <laughs> at South by Southwest in 2018. Uh, which is why I went to go see it at the theater because I hadn't seen it in three years. And, you know, when I saw it the first time, I remember thinking that it was, you know, gripping. Um, I remember thinking that it was interesting. And, you know, this was kind of um, a little bit before, you know, Unfriended came out in 2015, Searching came out in 2018. So it was kind of around that time where it was, you know, starting to become a little bit more um, 
of a uh, of a of a commonplace thing. And so, uh, you know, I I'm gonna I, I personally. So look, if you're if you're thinking about screen life movies, they're basically found footage movies repackaged. You know, is the best way to think about them. You know, they're mm-hmm. they're movies of things that have already taken place that that people are stumbling upon. Um, that uh, that you're stumbling upon as like a screen recording of them. Um, so it's a, it's a it's a mild offshoot of that, especially this one in particular. Uh, and um, you know, there's some hurdles to get around. The technology's a little bit off, but also this movie takes place in 2014. I don't know if you noticed that, but the dates on everything are 2014. I, I did. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that the graphics were uh, old. Yeah, the old yeah. Uh, Apple look. Anyway. Yeah, and so basically, what you have um, is a girl who is like a, a a British journalist who is basically trying to figure out how ISIS recruits. You know, they're like ISIS brides. So I don't. I, I actually, it, what that it's based off of that more than anything else. So I there was actually a South by Southwest documentary um, this year about the women who went. Some women who got recruited into ISIS. You know, and like seemingly normal people you know from canada from the uk um who um kind of um um you know convert and um and are met by these recruiters um like so in the movie the recruiter played by um i'm gonna get his name uh, shazad latif who i think is really good in this role um uh, uh as because he has to play like a charismatic guy who you know you know you're trying to uh, see how this happens and so as a study of how the ISIS recruitment stuff goes for these for these women, I think that it does a pretty effective job at displaying that. Um, and you know, I think that you know, one of the things I was thinking about earlier was I wonder if this movie plays for people who aren't tech savvy on some level, because I think that the the stuff that is effective for me in making it a gripping movie is the. Um, is like the 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 fact that like she's sort of spinning plates when she's doing these things. So like you know she's got the she's got the guy calling her on Skype while she's trying to log in and out of um, Facebook profiles and changing her stuff on um, you know her, her her login on her Mac and she's also trying to um, you know uh, make sure that she's got her. Uh, you know, like she's she's got her makeup and stuff on. Um, she's got to make sure that she's you know um, turning her music off. Her dogs like she has to do all of these things, and it's sort of like a a, a you know a, a make sure she's recording the conversation. And I think that that's effective at building tension. Um, and uh, and uh, I think that the missteps that it makes is that. The, the, there's two in particular I'm thinking of. One is I don't know that, that the girl playing the journalist and the journalist character has an arc that really follows what you're supposed to believe is happening here, which is that the lines between journalist and herself are starting to blur a little bit, and she may be kind of like disclosing some stuff maybe she shouldn't. She may be putting herself in peril. Um, that she she might not normally and, and and I think that dovetails into the other issue, which is that it asks you to take maybe one leap too many in how far she's taking this whole thing. And there's a moment where she's finding herself in a different location that I that I wonder if maybe is a step too far. That being said, I think it's I think it's pretty effective in showing you kind of how dangerous and scary this world is, and also at displaying how how this could happen 
you know how how could it happen that so, that someone from a you know a seemingly normal background without any kind of uh, roots in any of this stuff can can find someone online and be radicalized and um, and, uh, and 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 be put in this situation. So um, from that standpoint, I think it's entertaining. I think there's maybe like ten dull minutes towards the middle of it, but. I like this genre. I think it's an interesting way to tell a story differently. And um, I, I was, I think it's effective. I, I'm going to disagree with you on the idea that this is something that ev- evocatively demonstrates that how someone could do this. Cause I think the implication here and, and correct me if you, if you think I'm wrong, that this is sort of a, uh, a Stockholm syndrome thing. Like she becomes kind of enraptured into uh this lifestyle, you know, not that she's been abducted, but she's for some ha- some reason become indoctrinated, somehow become radicalized. But I don't really think the movie demonstrates how at all, because it, it covers the span of I don't know if it's two to three weeks, something like that. Um, and you see hints of like what you're seeing is supposed to be like screen captures of conversations. And that's how the movie plays out, you know, as, you know, these these days go by. I don't think that effectively uh, demonstrates how someone who can go from being, uh, you know, of a journalistic mind to understand, you know, the type that says, I'm going to, this is my story, I'm, I'm doing this to infiltrate this, to essentially being kind of almost coerced into becoming part of it. And I don't think the movie ever effectively talks about every ever effectively um, demonstrates why she would have made that decision. You know, mm-hmm. th- there's there's an I there's there's two angles you can take from that, and I don't think it does either one effectively. You could say either she's very dedicated to the story, and she has a v- a, v- a very eth- unethical editor who's letting her do this, yeah, um, or she is uh, like really falling in love with this guy. And I well, don't know that the movie knows which one it is, which one is happening. I'm going to, I'm going to, I disagree on one point, which is that I think, and I think this is what it does effectively. And maybe this is me doing some of the legwork for the filmmakers. I don't know. It's hard to say, right? It's different opinions and different interpretations. But for me personally, I think that, I think that the the sort of, because I think what a lot of these uh, screen life movies allow you to do is see context in small doses that fill in the gaps. And so those moments where she's getting calls from her boyfriend and ignoring them or getting calls with her boyfriend and you can see the strain or you can see her disconnect from people or ignore people and stuff like that. They're little subtle gestures within the context of the movie, but I think they provide enough context. So to me, it sort of serves as a reflection of, you know, some of the women who may get involved in these situations might be like struggling um, to make connections or struggling within their relationships or struggling in different areas. And then you have someone who's coming through who's charismatic and, 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 and like honestly treating them uh, with like 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 building them up and putting them on a pedestal a little bit and promising them a better future and a way out of their situation and so I think that it actually effectively does that now whether that's me um, doing legwork I don't know but for me that's what I took from it and that's why I thought it was effective. I see that I feel like that could be that description could be apt for 
someone who's not going into this with a plan, like if they stumbled across it. But if you're if you're a working journalist and you're going into it with this plan that you're gonna you're trying to find out what this is about, and then you end up enraptured in it, then I think that that's that needs more legwork than this movie does. And I think I didn't see the which I'm sorry, which is the John Cho movie? Searching the screen. I never saw that one, but I, it, and again, I, I believe all the other ones I've seen are real time. Like host is real time. Uh, the first mm-hmm. unfriended, I believe, is real time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's what undoes this. I think that's what undoes this is the passage of time. Like you don't see this relationship effectively build that she has with this guy because she's lying to him the whole time, and she's. She, I think she suspects he's lying to her, but at some point either she is trying to up the ante or she's really falling for this guy. And I, again, I don't think the movie effectively conveys which one of those it is. Mm-hmm. And I don't know the answer. I don't know the answer to either. I, I didn't come away with, with a definitive take on what either of those answers were. And, and I think, so. and again, the, the difference that I have is that I think the blurring of that is the point a little bit. Um, you know, is that is that the lines became so blurred that maybe she didn't even know the answer to that question? Sure, and that's fine. That's a that's a fine plot point. I don't think the movie does the legwork to get there. That's fair. If that makes sense, I I don't think that there's. I, I think that the the limitations of the genre are in full effect when you don't quite understand which one she's which way she's going with this because you don't you know you don't see her face, you don't see her reaction. And I mean, you get some frankly preposterous uh, detective work from the this uh, ISIS guy on figuring out who she is. Mm-hmm. It, it, there's, yeah, I mean, the, the clearest webcam video ever. Apparently, <laughs> they're able to deduce who she is in 2014. Um, no way, man. Yeah, I mean, I can't. This fucking thing can't work right, and I'm fucking. It's the goddamn future. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, what's your grade for a profile? <sighs> You know, I was I was going between this because I, I really do think that the, that there is a step too far within the mix of all of this. Um, that being said, though, I was watching that movie and I was as wrapped up as it, in it as I was the first time around. And I think it's got some legitimate, super tense moments. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it's effective. I'm giving it a B. Yeah, I, I'm going to be a little more generous than I thought I was. I'm going to give it a B minus because I think it's effective. I, I do think, unfortunately, it's not very timely anymore. Like, it's not really the yeah. biggest. Uh, yeah. Like, it, it's so It, it, it it's suffered. So I, I think it would have been more effective three years ago, for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, but I, I think it's, I think it's, it's a good, it's a good use of the, the, the format, the genre, but I, I think it does have some, some major problems with with effectively dem- uh, effectively uh, uh, conveying what it was what what happened you know given the limitations of it all being on the screen and the passage of time but uh, this is available uh, it's only in theaters I believe right you saw this in a theater correct so yeah uh, anyway um, yeah that's gonna do it for this week what's coming up next week Cody. Uh, well, we return to the wonderful world of Zack Snyder uh, because we have Army oh, of the Dead yeah. next week. Um, Which I believe is playing in some theaters already right now, even though it it's is premiering on Netflix. Correct. It is out in theaters as we speak. Um, I don't... 
Let me see if I can see anything else right off the bat. Um, yeah, I'll have to take a closer look because I think, you know, I'm sure there's stuff coming out. I just don't, that's the big profile one because that's a Netflix movie. So um, yeah. that'll be on Netflix that uh, that day. Um, yeah, and then I think uh, Cruella is the following week. We're getting Cruella on Wednesday, but we won't be able to talk about it yet. So Yeah, and then uh, that next week is also... Uh, um the uh oh look we can buy followers on uh bigfollows.com just i want to make sure that we get this uh this pitch out here Ooh, so yeah that's a good that's a good deal guys buy followers yeah. and viewers on whatever asterisk asterisk, asterisk bigfollows.com they're not a sponsor but we hope they are oh it looks Someday. like we got uh, we got a we got our friend here uh telling us the final account doc that's that is correct that is coming out next week as well what is that about final um, account it is um it is about um that follows the last living generation of german participants in hitler's third reich oh joyous <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness gracious me can't wait for that hey, i'm glad you know nazis are coming back so it's one of those things that, uh it's, it's uh, fucking trendy uh, yeah, is so, what it is so uh, yeah so uh uh this this also leads us to um, Cruella is of course premiering on uh, Disney Plus as well as in theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, but the uh, Memorial Day weekend uh, marks I I would call this the big return to theaters with a Quiet Place two. Uh, yeah, I mean that's the first th- th- uh, theatrical exclusive big release. Um, I mean now of course. Because the theatrical window is shortened, 45 days later, it'll be on Paramount+. Plus. But for 45 days only, um, you can see A Quiet Place too. Do we in San Antonio get to see it? Nah. Why would we? But, uh, you know. that's You got a, you got beef with Paramount on that. Yes. I know uh, you had a conversation with our uh, film critics uh, friends. but Yes. They're, have, they're, they're two, ongoing discussions. We have two screenings here, so... <laughs> So does Houston. <laughs> Two separate so. screenings. So, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, but I, I'm curious how um, it's gonna it's gonna play. I assume it'll be kind of a big hit. But I don't. You know what? It's it's strange because I feel like a lot of uh, like an unusual. I mean, of course, because of COVID, and this was supposed to come out, you know, last year. A but year ago, yeah. yeah. But uh, is it is it still like a a buzzy movie? I don't like. Is it like? Is it like? Is a quiet place buzz still there? Are people still remembering that movie fondly? Well, I, I'm gonna guess if they did, then yeah. But I mean, that this is a quiet place too, and it's going to be only in theaters. I think it's gonna be huge. Yeah, I mean, it, pandemically tail end of the pandemic, huge. Whatever that means. Surprised they went with a lame title and not like an even more quiet place. A quieter place. A quieter place. And then the quietest place. Yeah, the yeah, that was the finale yeah. of the trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. Like the Bourne Ultimatum, and then they made two more. So uh, <laughs> yeah. all right. They, they should if have called it the Bourne your... Penultimatum. Yeah. But the, do you remember uh did you ever see the Jeremy Renner one? No, I didn't. It's fine. It's not good. But it literally takes place during the Bourne Ultimatum. So they're like talking about the Bourne Ultimatum. It's like hearing a better movie in the theater next door is how I described it. You're like, oh, (laughs) wow. You know, know, it's... 
Should go be watching that instead. I feel like we've sort of forgotten about how Jeremy Renner is the supposed to carry on a franchise but never does guy. <laughs> because this happened too yeah. with the the Mission Impossible series where it, like that was clearly designed to hand it off to him and then and then they're just like no we'll make three more with tom cruise well that was when uh that was like when tom cruise became like publicly problematic like being a weirdo Mm -hmm. i believe it was uh was that mission impossible four the brad bird one ghost protocol was in yeah oh man i I don't know forget where renner i thought i thought it was girls protocol when he started when he started yeah, that was 2011. Oh, so what was the uh, the th- the one before that was JJ Abrams? What was that? When was that? Uh the uh, Mission Impossible 3 was uh let's see, MI3. It was uh 2006. So yeah. in between um yeah, I think well cuz 2005 is when he kind of went bonkers that was with uh katie holmes was in batman begins i i feel like it was one of those things that they like set up to in case he kind of melted down or got too old and then uh no one really gave a shit about jeremy <laughs> man i i i really try to care about those mission impossible movies and it's very hard for me to do um Are they, they're all really good most of them they're all completely forgettable yeah, I, and I believe I believe the plot is the same in all of them. Like they're going to expose the agent list, right? Isn't that what it always is about? It seems that I way. I feel like that's every movie is about that. Like, oh, they're going to expose all these secret agents. Like, all right, whatever. Anyway, uh, what was God damn it? What was the Born uh, movie with Jeremy Renner called? The oh man, the <sighs> the Born Legacy. The Born, Born Legacy. Legacy. That's right. It was directed by uh, Tony Gilroy. You know what? Uh, I never even first. saw Jason Bourne. I never saw the the. Oh really? Yeah. No, I don't. I don't think I ever saw it. It's not. It's not good. They yeah. they were out of i. They were done. They were out of ideas, and then they came back for another one, and it. They were like, nope. It's, we should have just stopped. That's the one that famously, uh, like Matt Damon had like, uh, like like six lines or something. Like he never. He barely talked. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It it really it really should have ended and then it didn't. Then did Greengrass back. yeah, Greengrass did that movie too. Yeah, no, they both came back and um it was just not good. Like they the movie the, the story had a natural ending and then it they came back and it was just boring. Anyway. Um if you want to reach us, you can email us at podcast at cinesnob.net. You can find us on Twitter at Cinesnob, Facebook, Cinesnobnet, YouTube.com slash Cinesnob if you want to watch this show. We, we got the vanity got the URL. Get that vanity URL, baby. YouTube.com slash Cinesnob. You can watch this show and all of our other recorded shows, plus some interviews. Um, you got some old-ass interviews that I did and that Kiko did, and I think there's a couple of yours on there. I think my – is right. I can't remember if my Adam Scott one is on there or not. I think it might – I think that might be a private video that I just keep for myself. Oh. <laughs> you know, uh, I was uh, thinking about this, Jared. We are um, – we are rapidly approaching, I think because we both started around the same time, our 10-year anniversary of doing this shit. Um, I, 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 yes, that is true. Um, my, uh, my, my, first, fir- my first was Captain America, the first Avenger, um, was my first review for Cinestob back in 2011. 
Yeah, mine was uh, um, the uh, uh, Beats, Rhymes, and Life, uh, A Tribe Called Quest uh, documentary by Michael Rappaport. Oh, my uh, God. What a weird sentence <laughs> that you just said. <laughs> dude, Michael Rappaport is, I mean, he is so embedded in that culture. Um, yeah, that was July 8th, uh, 2011. That movie was released. Um, it's a great, it's a great doc. Um, obviously before, um, uh, Fife Dog died, but yeah, uh, that was my first review. And that was a hard one to crack. Cause I was like, man, this is like the first time, uh, I'm having to write about a documentary, but yeah, we were just talking about that. Um, there's a lot of stuff we'll go into later about potential projects with that, but that was, uh, my first time. Not my first time meeting Kiko, but one of the first times I met Kiko, I want to say it was 2011, um, doing uh, Flickr footnotes, taking over from Bob Polensky, Kiko did, um, yeah. who passed away in 2017. Yeah, because I um, was, uh, of- my first interaction with that world was um, the year before, where I think I've I've told this story, but I was, uh, there was a promo for The Sorcerer's Apprentice, the Jay Baruchel uh, <laughs> Disney movie. And, um, and I, and I won a contest to be a film critic apprentice and I came on and, <laughs> and I did, I did a flicker footnotes with Bob, uh, with cyber Bob and, and Kiko. And, um, and I wrote a review that was on WOAI.com and, uh, and then I waited a year until I officially started, but I was Kiko's, I, <laughs> I was Kiko's apprentice with Nick. I don't even remember when I first met you. I don't remember how long ago that was. Was that oh, the man. same time? It had to well. It had to. It had to have. It had to have been 2010 because when I hosted, where when I hosted, when I was on Flickr footnotes, it was still Bob and, and and Kiko, Cyber Bob and Kiko. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. It it was um, it was uh, a long time ago, and uh, for unfortunately, none of that stuff survived. Like the all of the archives on that website are gone because it yeah. was, um, it was uh, something that was like owned by a uh, clear channel that got when we separated from WAI radio, it was one of those things that just didn't, uh, it's, it didn't I carry w- over. I would love to go back and watch. Cause for a, for a brief flash in the pan, you, me and Kiko ran Flickr footnotes or were on Flickr footnotes. I, the three of us, I believe I have some video of that. Okay. Um, because at one point, to- we were we had like a twenty something minute web show, and I was like, I can't believe we're able to do this. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it was it was ridiculous. Um, I mean, it was because no one cared. Like it was just yeah. whatever, do whatever you want. This is. Uh, it, can you? Oops, hold on. Uh, damn it! I was trying to upload a a, a picture from that one of my photos that I'm sure oh. you don't like. I, I'm. Uh, I know what's coming. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta. I gotta upload. Uh, it, there's. Um, there's the idea that we uh, would do this show for 20 minutes, but like no one was watching. Like no one was watching 20 minutes, and we would just ramble. And we were standing at a set, and we were yeah, standing that, in front of a. And we were using like WAI like cameras and shit, right? Like I mean, like oh yeah, no, it was we had a real studio. Here's the here's the one photo I have. Oop, oh, that didn't that didn't work right. Hold on, why didn't that work right? Whatever. I think because um, you're screen sharing instead, and you uh, instead of uploading, you uploaded it as like a background. You need to upload it as an overlay rather than a. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on, I'll do that right now. But yeah, no. It the the best part about that, and the best part about that TV job, was the idea that um and and to Bob Gambert, our, our my longtime friend Bob Gambert, 
his his um, philosophy was fucking do it for the web. Who cares? Just make something. Like we need content. And this is here's one of my favorite <laughs> screenshots of all time because <laughs> we were very we were very we we had that very small area uh-huh. and you could see the, we had the row of like, actual movie seats. Well, yeah, I I had those seats given to me by Santicos that uh, we used in a different configuration, but it got it got to be too complicated. So I uh, built this fake background uh, with these real seats, so we could like really interact with the seats. It was actually kind of fun, and then to go like sit in them and shit. Um, but I I don't believe this is one of them. But you, you were uh, we had you st- <laughs> you had to start standing on a box. Yeah. Do you remember that? I was on an Apple box, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's all laugh. That's fine. Uh, but I mean it it was it, it it needed to be done because it it's a I mean that I, I captioned this on Facebook that it looks like like you're my son <laughs> being bullied and T- Kiko's like the, the well meaning principal <laughs> trying to exp- trying to <laughs> help us out. <laughs> so and w- none of us were wearing anything like Okay, see, yes, Kiko, yes. Again, Kiko, I was very nervous. Kiko, <laughs> Kiko dresses like a, a Kiko dresses like a, a high school principal anyway. Like, <laughs> casual like he would never wear anything fancy. And I had the sport coat, and then you would you showed up in like just like whatever clothes you were wearing. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, that was such a long time ago too. Um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, that was that was probably close um, to ten years ago too. Yeah, because uh, that building, um, I don't think we started, I think we stopped going to the building after the fire, and that was in 2012. And Bully came anyway. out in, in 2011, so 2011, yeah, 2012, around go. that time. Ten years ago. What what a time capsule that is. Let's keep looking <laughs> at it. Like, you get my stupid sideburns. Uh, that's a, that an emo-ass 2010 haircut, 2011 haircut. Cody. Yeah. A, yep, like I, I was... Just, uh, uh, I was coming from uh, from from uh, grad school, I think. <laughs> I just finished watching uh, Panic at the Disco on uh, <laughs> on Vivo, and um, and Kiko I, I looks exactly, exactly yeah. the same. <laughs> All right. Um, anything else before we go? Nah. We've, um, kind of Leave. All right. Yeah. On, on that note, uh, I am Jared Kingery. I'm Cody Viafania. Play, play close. More fuckery. Oh, Thank sucks. you for listening to this Cine Snob podcast. <laughs> to read reviews, interviews, and more, visit cinesnob.net. See you next week. Did it play? Is it done? It's done.